Life Remixed. Good evening. It's uh, Wednesday evening here in the UK. It is uh, 7.30 p.m. and it's time for uh, Straight Talking. So every Wednesday evening, I uh, bring in a fantastic guest from around the globe uh, with their own interesting story uh, to share with all of you guys. Um, and you can watch them all uh, back on the YouTube channel, of course, as well. <clears throat> so this evening is a very special guest. Uh, is a man who uh, has his own challenges, has been through his own challenges, uh, but he's also a big inspiration to me. He's been a huge ins inspiration to me over the last 10 years at least. Um, his name's Lewis Senior. Uh, he's the CEO and co-founder of a company called Equilibria. Uh, Equilibria is a system and the e-color system is a, is, a, is, a, is a process that I went through to learn more about myself and my role and how I could work and show up better in the world. Lewis is going to give us loads more information on this tonight. So hello to everyone on Instagram over there. Hello to everyone on uh, all the other platforms over there. I'm going to bring Lewis in now, and I'm going to let Lewis obviously uh, introduce himself, of course, as well. So let's bring him in. Hello, Lewis. Hi, thank you for having me. That's all right. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. I'm actually talking from Spain. Okay, lovely. Um, you know, it's a little bit warmer there than it is here, I'm sure. But uh, you know, you're having your own challenges over there, I guess, with uh, with COVID, etc. It's, um, it's it's changed everything, hasn't it? Everywhere. It really has. It's and it's not getting any better either. In fact, they're talking about completely shutting everything down for Christmas, which is going to be a nightmare for people. Yeah, I mean, you know, we have to just look for a brighter 2021, don't we? But um, yeah, it's, it's challenging for, for the moment, for sure. So um, let's get into it, Lewis. Um, introduce yourself, first and foremost, to everyone who's uh, who's watching. Tell us a bit about yourself. OK, thank you. Well, my name is Lewis Senior, as Mark said. I have the privilege of being the CEO of uh, an organisation called Equilibria, which we founded in 2004. Uh, we predominantly look around understanding people's personality diversity and all of the aspects that come from that. Uh, had a background in oil and gas for nearly 30 years before we started Equilibria, and have had some very interesting moments along the way. I'm actually from Leeds, so I think there's probably a couple of people watching from there. Used to support Leeds United back in the day, Mark. Um, and <laughs> <I'll> uh, <give> <laughs> over 40 years ago, I met my wife actually in Spain. Uh, we got married soon after that, and uh, been in Spain ever since. When I'm not working, well, up until and I'm now working. And of course, yeah, and of course, you've worked worldwide as well. Of course, you know, so you've been all over. So we're going to cover all of that, of course. But as you well know, uh, my background is uh, a bit of music and DJing. You know, I've got got a bit of that behind me. So why don't you tell us about your favourite music to get us going? Well, it, you know, it's interesting uh, knowing uh, you know because of your history with uh, with Life Remix. I got to thinking about when did music really come into my life and. There's a couple of moments which I thought might be worth understanding. Being from Leeds, back in the day in the 70s, uh, Leeds University had an incredible union, and every week there was the Who, it was the Stones, it was all of the, the groups that, you know, today people would remember as the top, top group. So that was certainly the start of it. And then I was talking to my wife about it the other day, 13th of July, 1985. Do you remember what that day was? <laughs> tell me live aid oh so, of course and my wife was actually about nine months and a week pregnant with laura my daughter and we <laughs> sat watching live aid that day and two groups really got my attention one was simple minds and the other one was queen 
fast forward mm. to about nine months ago, and Laura, my daughter, and I actually went to see Queen and Adam Lambert in Houston. And I can tell you, for two hours and 20 minutes, we stood and we cried. It was the most remarkable experience. So very much kind of come the full circle and uh, always looking. I, I really enjoy watching music today. Your music is the sound of emotions, Lewis. Very and, much so. uh, Yeah. It's the sound of emotions and memories. And uh, yeah, it has real beautiful, beautiful connotations in that as well. I mean, I watched uh, Bohemian Rhapsody recently. I don't know if you've seen that film and Rocketman. You know, yeah. John, what great movies they are. Very, very good. And I have Absolutely. to say, you know, Adam Lambert did a phenomenal. I love what he actually did. If you if he get the chance, I know. I think Brian May actually had a heart attack recently. But if there is an opportunity to go and see Queen with Adam Lambert, I would highly recommend it. And what I really like what he does very early on in in the show, he says, "Look, I am not Freddie Mercury." He said, "I am a Queen, but I'm not Freddie Mercury." But I love to, but I love to sing his songs, and and that's what he does, and he does a beautiful job of it, actually. Really amazing good. yeah mate yeah, what a what, what an act to try and follow but yeah I, I will we will keep an eye out for that when we can have live events or when we can go to live events again Lewis I'll uh I'll uh I'll keep an eye out for that so let's talk about uh Equilibria and and of course the e-colors uh product um uh, but before we get to that because there's a story behind it isn't there um I've read your book at the end of the day uh with Laura written co-written with Laura um your book made it okay for me to tell my story with Life Remixed. So I absolutely, you know, honour and thank you for writing that book, um, you know, 20 years ago, whenever it was, because it's, uh, I've read it and it made it, it made it okay for me to do what I'm, what I'm doing now. So thank you for that. But tell us about it. Everyone needs to hear your story. Um, if they haven't read the book, uh, you know, how did all this come about? Okay. So I have to back up obviously a little bit. So I worked in oil and gas for about 30 years and, Towards the end of my career in oil and gas, I really started to want to understand better how so many people were getting hurt, maimed, and killed for no reason other than their own personality. And I'd been trying to work through that to better understand it. And actually got an opportunity to become the health and safety manager after years of being in operations for what turned out to be the largest drilling contractor in the world. And we had actually got before we started to merge and acquire companies, we actually had an incredible safety record. In fact, the rigs that I used to run all over the world, they used to call the University of Safety because we were always trying things to keep people in one piece, regardless of where they were in the world. When we started to go through the mergers and acquisitions, you can imagine bringing people in from different cultures, different ideas, different backgrounds. We actually had seven fatalities in a very short space of time. And I'll explain a little bit about personality in the e-colors in a while, but my e-colors are predominantly yellow-red. So I am quite an emotional person. And I got to a point where I was desperately trying to help people to stay safe when they didn't even seem to be particularly interested in staying safe themselves. And so I got, we got to a point where, as we were going through the mergers, part of my job was with a group of other people was to go around the world and try and help people understand that all of these companies coming under one roof would actually be a good idea and was literally doing major ballrooms and conference rooms during the day with hundreds of people going through that process and at night still being the health and safety manager. I used to smoke like a chimney. 
used to eat any Toblerone bars that were in the fridge in the hotel and drink black coffee that was coming out of my ears. And all of those things would stimulate an already stimulated mind. And we were actually doing a training session in Po one day in France uh, in a hotel, and it all caught up with me. So, Mark, this is the kind of defining moment for me, if you like. I was laying in the bath. I don't know if you or your listeners have ever read a book called The Celestine Prophecy, but what happened to me is described absolutely perfectly in that book. I was lying in the bath. All of a sudden, I started to feel my heart pounding. I mean, really pounding. And all of a sudden, this white light started to come towards me, which, again, it's in the book. So as the white light's coming towards me, all of a sudden, I'm in a pram in the back of my garden about two and a half years old. And then this happened because that happened, and this happened because that happened, and this. And all of a sudden, I thought, oh, my God, I'm going to die. So I jumped out the bath, ran down the corridor, naked, not a pretty sight, I can tell you, in the Novotel in Poe, and ran into one of the guys who worked for our company and actually was on a well-controlled course, and his eyes were about that big, and I just crashed down on the floor. And while I was laying on the floor, I was fighting for breath. I mean, literally, it was like every breath felt like it was going to be my last breath. And this voice came into my head and said, you can have another breath if you make a promise. So I promised to spend more time with the family because my life in oil and gas had been 28 days offshore, 28 days at home. And then when we started doing all of these sessions for bringing the companies together, we was never at home. And I started to fight for breath again. And the voice came again and said, you can have another breath if you make another promise. So I thought to myself, I promise never to have an argument again. And, and actually, the reality is um, my wife, as you'll learn a little bit about the eco, is what we call predominantly blue-green. We've never had an argument in 40 years. She can argue on her own. She doesn't need me involved at all. I just sit there watching a tennis match. But I used to argue on behalf of the company when people are telling us this isn't going to work, that's not going to work. And then I started to fight for breath again, and the voice came back to me again and said, you can have another breath if you make another promise. And I promised to become a better listener. Because at that time, I was the one doing a lot of the talking on behalf of the company, and every evening, somebody would come along and go, oh, you're a good speaker. Well, the more they told me I was a good speaker, the less listening I used to do. And finally, as I thought, I still need some more breath, the voice said, and you can have as many breaths as you like if you make one more promise. And I said to myself, I'm going to promise to find a way to help people communicate. And about that time, the ambulance arrived because everybody thought I'd had a heart attack, as did I. And apparently they inject, I don't know what they inject, but normally you get X amount of a syringe. I think they were into two and a half syringes when they finally knocked me out. And I woke up in a mental hospital in France two and a half days later with my wife standing at the end of the bed who they had flown up from Spain. And for anybody on this uh, podcast who speaks Spanish, she said, Levantate gilipollas, non te pasa nada which means get up, you idiot. There's nothing wrong with you. You're just exhausted. <laughs> so after some tests of my brain and everything else, we flew back home to Spain. About that time, because of all the public speaking I'd been doing, I actually had some nodules on my throat. So they decided to remove the nodules about four days after I got home. 
And as they were wheeling me into the to the you know into the theater, the doctor said, "Now don't forget when you wake up, you cannot speak for ten days." And my wife looked behind him and said, "And you can never smoke again." I mean, that's that's great news for you for somebody like me, right? So I I woke up and literally for ten days. This is pre iPad, pre iPhone, or whatever. I just literally lay here at home in Spain next to the pool with a whiteboard. You know, can you please make me a cup of tea or something like that? But it really gave me an opportunity to think through my life, as you can well imagine. And Mark, I know this is where the similarities are. You know, between you and me. And I'm yet to work out: Do you really need something dr- drastic before you decide to do something different? Well, during that period, I made my mind up to do something different. And it was quite interesting because I flew back to Houston with the intention of telling the drilling contractor that I was actually going to be leaving immediately. And the message back in Houston is, "Oh, Luis will probably come in with a butterfly net because you know he's gone a little bit off the off the rails here." So um, my boss said, "Look, you don't want to leave right now. What you need to do is start coaching some of our managers around the world. And during that period, you can decide if you like coaching." And his name is Walter Cabuccio, and I have to thank him for that because for the next two years, that's what I did. I went around the world and coached a lot of the managers who were technically very, very strong, but maybe not as strong on the people skills. And um, when I was just about, well, actually, four of us decided to leave the drilling contractor at the same time, and on the fourth of April two thousand and four, we formed Equilibria, uh, and we came up one afternoon with a vision of realizing potential and a single core value of people first. And I had actually intended to go another six months before we actually left the organization. And then that happened in April. And then in June, there was a horrible set of events that happened on one of the rigs in Nigeria. I went out working for the drilling contractor. And halfway through that process, the vice president of, of actually the company said, Lewis, start Equilibria right now. Bring one of your partners down and we'll keep you working for the first two years. We know you're onto something, but you're a little bit further ahead than the rest of us. And that's what we did, and that's what they did, and the rest has been the most remarkable journey, Mark. I love it. I've got a couple of <clears throat> I've got a couple of quick fire questions for you. Um, mm-hmm. What age were you when you uh, when you had the the incident in Paris, the the kind of the the turn of events that uh, uh, that, that led to the the collapse, etc.? What age were you then? Uh, 2002. It happened in 2002, and I'm going to okay. be 70 next year. Okay, all right. So around around 48, 49, 50. Uh, yeah. Over 50. Over 50. Okay, all right. That's interesting. Um, and at the time, obviously, you were you were working, as you say, for for the drilling company uh, and managing all these rigs. So you were used to say you were never at home. You were moving around all over the place, yeah. um, and that, that must have taken its toll eventually, of course, as well. Um, I love the fact that you didn't want to be found naked in the bath, so you decided to go for a jog down the uh, down the hotel uh, <laughs> corridor. I love that one, and I also love a bit of tough love from uh, from your missus. <laughs> Get up, you idiot! <laughs> which is what, which is really what I need to hear, because all I'd actually had was just it was just absolute exhaustion, and, and that that's one of the one of the reasons why later on. I wanted to write the book with Laura because I really, and you and I have talked a lot about this, I really hope people don't have to go through something so dramatic before they decide to make a change. And I know 
obviously that's a lot about you and I have in common, but that is something that really has stuck with me is, I mean, I really thought the end had come. And Mark, I'll just tell you something that if I, and I do a lot of coaching around this today. I honestly believe that when I was laying on the floor, two things occurred to me. People who die with a smile on the face are happy with what they call their life review, which again, this is what they talk about in the book is you're going to see your life play out just before you die. I just wasn't ready. I did not like the legacy I was leaving and I really wanted to do some things differently. That for me was the driver and that stuck with me every day since I can tell you. No, that's, that's really good. I mean, yeah, exhaustion, exhaustion and stress are certainly big, big players. And you and I have discussed that as well, of course, you know, my own, uh, issues certainly I would say 80% stress and, and 20% um, you know diet and, and other addictions and things I was getting into uh, I've got a quick wave from David uh, and also I've uh, got a message from Linda Lever she says Lewis keep on talking Leeds are winning 5-2 um, <laughs> so I thought you might want to know that uh, <laughs> anyway so um, the book so obviously the book you know the title at the end of the day uh, you know a, a, a dramatic um uh, story obviously and I've read it as I say and it was it, it certainly helped it was helped me on my journey let's put it that way uh towards life remixed um so how did that come about and obviously you involved Laura I mean you know what Laura would have been quite young at that stage I guess for her to actually like you know input into the book you know how did that come about or, or what were the actions you took uh, that, it's probably I did them a disservice I should have said at the beginning so uh, my wife Isabel as I say we've been married over 40 years uh, like I say, Laura was actually born two weeks after Live Aid, the 27th of July. And then just three three years later, David came along. We, they both work with us now, which is fantastic. We have a wonderful mm-hmm. relationship. But when Laura got into her teens, her and I had absolutely nothing in common. You know, she, I, she, I was away a lot. You know, she had her own issues uh, going through her teens and everything to a point where we literally weren't talking. And... They got to one point, I think, where my wife actually called me. I was in Houston. Her family were over here in Spain and and said, you need to get Laura out of here. Take her to Houston for a week. So I actually brought her over to Houston. We were running a leadership program at the time. And actually what happened was Laura finished off sitting with some people that I had been working with in the past. And they said to her, Laura, have you any idea what your dad did for me or did for this one or that one? And the reality, she didn't have a clue. So we kind of reset the relationship. And for those of you who have teenage children, I will never forget this. So a few weeks later, she said to me, will you coach me? And I went, Laura, I would love to coach you. I've been trying to help you for years. She said, I don't want your help. I want you to coach me, which I thought was really interesting in in how that played out. Anyhow, she came to work with us literally when we started Equilibria. And a few years later, uh, Laura said to me one day, you need to write a book. You know, you have a story to tell. A lot of people can learn from it. Go ahead and write a book. So I told her, look, A, I don't know how to write a book. And all kudos to you for the way you've done it, because that's not what we did, I'll tell you. And I also told her, you find a, a ghostwriter, a book coach, whatever you want to call it, and we will write a book. So Laura did a lot of research, found somebody actually in Houston, uh, who I, to this day, owe a lot of thanks, TJ Bietic. And what was pretty cool is we met her in the coffee shop of Barnes & Noble up in the woodlands in Houston. So Laura and I sitting there with this, this ghostwriter, and she said, so um, which shelf is your book going to sit on? 
you know, is it a self-help book? Is it, what, what, what is it? So he started to really think about what that would look like. And then it got really, really interesting. So after she began to understand our story, she said, look, I'd like to offer an idea. And you've read the book, so you know how it flows. She said, it should be a chapter by you, Lewis, and a chapter by Laura. And that's how the book is actually laid out. The biggest lesson I got from that, and it, it, I can remember it like it was yesterday, we got about halfway through the book. I was actually in Dubai working on some particular leadership project, and TM, the, uh, the lady who wrote the book for us, called me and she said, Lewis, I need to check some facts with you because we would give our side to the story on a particular subject, and then obviously she would check it with the other person. And she started to describe some an event that Laura talked about when she was 12 years old. And I remember looking down the phone and I said, TJ, I've got to be honest with you. I do not remember this event, much less the details that Laura's talking about. It didn't even register. And I was actually with one of our coaches at that time, a guy called Dave Kane. And when I put the phone down, I said, Dave, I am going to make a further promise right now. In the future, if people are going to have an experience with me, I am going to be intentional about it. So I will remember it later as well as them. And to this day, I mean, if you, you know, my hashtag is intentional CEO. And I can tell you it's not a single word comes out of my mouth that I haven't thought about before it comes out. I did not used to be like that, but it's led to really great results. Yeah, I mean, one of my little learning things was calm down and speed up. And I think when I calmed down and learned to deal with any anxieties I had and cleared away the alcohol and some of the addictions uh, and then actually came into a place of calmness, my life seems to have got quicker and quicker and there seems to be more and more amazing results happening because of the calmness. You know, I'm not in that place of kind of like, you know, it's like just be sort of centered and as you say intentional which i love and and yeah i mean i mean your purpose your your purpose your vision and your goals uh i mean why don't you talk a bit more obviously i mean equilibrium is obviously about realizing potential um better communications uh, you know at work i mean you know you clearly made these decisions that were vitally important for your survival even at that point um you know the uh, the day of your collapse etc but what I like about the fact when you're speaking about the rig, um, you know, from my understanding and understanding your history, um, that first rig that you went on to, the safety figures improved and the productivity also went up because you got everyone communicating using e-colors, correct? Yes. Yeah, we had a – so for those of you who, who don't know what the e-colors are, we, we designed a very simple system around personality. And, you know, there's been a recognition that there are four basic – personality types that's been around for two or three thousand years starting with the chinese where they used to talk earth wind fire and water we kind of boiled it down to red yellow blue and green and there's combinations of that so what we began to see is these it's actually quite predictable the reason that we actually or my side of it anyhow why i wanted to start equilibria i had gone out to a ring where they'd had a fatality uh, a year before the, the real disaster they had I mean, that was obviously a disaster, but even bigger one. And everybody was trying to understand what happened because the organization I was with at the time had very good procedures. They were well down the road in terms of a safety culture. How did this happen? Hmm. So I was actually sitting down with the crews one night and was asking them individually, so tell me 
what are your strengths? And in those days, we used to call them op- improvement opportunities. And what motivates you? Those kind of questions. And a guy called Kevin Bartow, who I will be eternally grateful to, turned around and said, Lewis, if you're asking these questions, why don't you ask us how we can get hurt? Uh, and the moment he asked the question, I knew how many millions of dollars the drilling contractor had spent on trying to keep people safe. We had never asked people how they could get hurt. So I said, okay, who wants to go first? And the guy said to me, well, you know a little bit about my colors because we've been piddling with the colors, put it that way, already. He said, I am predominantly yellow-blue, just like you, Mark, and I've asked you this question before. And he said, I can get hurt jumping in to help. And the moment he said that, my first thought was my mother, who until very recently, at 94 years old, would spend three nights a week up all night answering suicide calls down in Australia, yellow-blue, loves to help. My next thought went to somebody who two years earlier had got hurt on one of the other, actually got killed on one of the other rigs, who was a banksman. So, you know, you've got experience in construction. So the banksman is the person that signals the crane. They wear a nice big orange jacket which says banksman. And in the procedure it says, if you're the banksman, thou shalt not touch the load. Mm -hmm. So they're on a rig in the North Sea, bad night, very rough, trying to land a basket, long, long basket, got taglines on either side of the basket, two ropes, two people holding the ropes. The banksman, who again happened to be predominantly yellow-blue, saw them struggling, overrode the procedure in his head, ran in and tried to help, got caught between the basket and the Samson Post, dead as a doornail. So these thoughts were immediately going through my head. So when it was all over, that was in 2003, I went back into town and I told everybody, we're missing something here. We need to have a look at personality in terms of our safety culture. Yeah, Lewis, we understand what you're doing, but we're a drilling contractor. That was the kind of message. Anyhow, a few months later, they had another fatality. Actually, they had somebody got hurt one night late on the rig. They decided to fly a helicopter out. The person who got hurt, the person who was looking after him, the pilot and the co-pilot all died because the helicopter crashed. So the operator, the old company, shut the rig down and told the drilling contractor, this rig is not going back to work until you can prove you can work incident-free, which Mm -hmm. is very hard to do after you've just had something like that. So I went out there, like I mentioned before, as an employee of the drilling contractor, and three and a half weeks later I came off and we started Equilibria. And that's literally when we first started Equilibria, we had one little card with the 12 different combinations of e-colors and how people say they can get hurt. And that right now has been the biggest game changer for many, many, many people working in high-risk industries around the world. Absolutely. I mean, with the, with the work, obviously, you know, when I realized about how could I, how I could get hurt uh, on the first time I did the equilibrium, Equilibria eColors PDI, um, which you can do yourself, by the way. You can go to equilibria.com and you can uh, discover your eColors on there. There's a short questionnaire. Um, it takes about 15 minutes to do. It's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. But when I realized how I could get hurt by jumping in to help someone else, I was I was always jumping in, even from a little kid. I'd jump in and help my brother. Like, you know, don't worry, don't worry, Dan, I'll do that for you. You know, and I'd be there. And, and you know, when I read that about that's 
possibly a way that I could get hurt or even killed in a high-risk industry, it was like a bit of a game changer for me because I was like, oh, yeah, I, I do do that. And it was almost like, and then you talk, we'll talk more, but you go into pause and play. And it's like, for me, it's like I have to pause that part of my, you know, my, my willingness to sort of jump in and help everybody. It's like, no, no, pause on that and have a think, just, you know, even if it's counter 10 or whatever, just, but just think about what you're doing before you, uh, before, before you jump in. And um, yeah, I mean, I've done the PDI three or four times over the last 10 years. I always came out as yellow blue um, until my last one uh, a few weeks ago when I came out as yellow red. And we'll discuss the reasons behind that uh, shortly, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, so the safety and the productivity, the figures were great for the next year or, or however long on that rig, right? It really is actually, yeah. And right. it very, so actually, the, the, and I don't mind sharing it because I think they'd be very proud of it, but the operator was actually Chevron. And they have been a phenomenal uh, leader in this part of the, in that type of industry. And they have taken us all over the world. So you name it, Thailand, Canada, Kazakhstan, every, everybody got into the same process. And literally today, I've spent most of today coaching different leaders in Chevron, still using some of those principles from the beginning. But of course, we've come a long way since then. But the understanding of personality and how it relates, not only to safety, but then we looked at why don't people stop the job? I mean, this is something that lots of industries struggle with, even in healthcare, which we're working now. You know, if you've got a a nurse who may be a little bit uh, and maybe a little bit shy or what we would call predominantly blue green or green blue, and likes time to think about things, and you've got quite a dominant surgeon, the chances of that nurse actually saying anything are quite slight. Until we introduce a process called personal intervention, which I'll talk about in a while. Shall I, shall I tell you why it's difficult for me to stop the job when I first got into health and safety? Sure. Um, because someone might not like me. Yeah. Uh, and that's a big one for yellow blues. It's a big thing, you know. We want people to like us, you know. And it's uh, it was just a real, you know, for me, again, it was another game changer because I got into safety. I'd gone from being a DJ where everybody loved me. Yeah, well, most people loved me. I might get a, your drunk person say I was rubbish. But uh, bottom line, most people enjoyed what I was doing, you know, when I was DJing. So everyone loved me. The club would be jumping up and down. And then I made this huge shift, which is in life remixed, you know, where I basically became like health and safety manager at the Olympic Stadium, at Heathrow Airport, uh, uh, you know, large construction companies. Um but I had to go through that process of understanding that not everyone had to like me. And and so just by doing the e-colours, understanding for me that it was difficult for me to stop the job because of this reason, that was something that then I could then work on. And I know you call them potential limiters. And, and it's uh, that one of my limiters was, well, I have to deal with that because if I'm going to do this job and if I can stop someone getting really hurt, then, you know, it doesn't matter whether they like me or not because ultimately I can I can help them. So, yeah, sorry, carry on. So obviously healthcare, um, you've got sports, you know, there's a number of things you're in at the moment. And that that whole thing about stopping the job is, is um, yeah, it takes a brave person to do that. And I think it's important for, that everyone understands that, that e-colours, uh, you know, because we've all got a percentage of everything, haven't we? Uh, you know, and I think it's important for understand uh, people to understand their e-colours because then they can communicate better, but they can also hear other people better. I mean, that's that's part of the mission, right? Very much so. So if you think about it is, well, <clears throat> again, understanding that there's four basic personalities, the red in our world represents what we call the doer. That's going to be the action-oriented person. Mm -hmm. Green in people tends to be the analytical thinker, likes lots of data. The yellow tends to be the engager or the influencer, like yourself. And the blue tends to be the relator and the supporter. The red, green, green, red tend to be highly independent and somewhat 
task oriented, less emotional, where people who are predominantly yellow, blue, blue, yellow tend to be more people oriented and more emotional. So, for example, Mark, what you were talking about, there are red, green, green, reds that couldn't care less if people like them or not. It's not yeah. something they worry about. But for yourself, and, and by the way, if you were blue, yellow, it's more about the worry about confrontation because they just do not like confrontation. It is interesting because if somebody's predominantly red, yellow, yellow, red, they tend to be very fast-paced and action-oriented, where people who are more predominantly green, blue, blue, green tend to be information-oriented and, and more steady-paced. So if you think about that in trying to get a team to work together, for example, then if people don't understand those different tendencies, it, can, it just isn't going to go well. And so bringing on that all together has made a big difference. I just want to go back to stopping the job for a minute because one of the beauties of, within Equilibria, what we've been able to do over the years is when people were doing what we call the free PDI, so no charge for actually finding out what their e-colors were, we just asked questions. And we would typically get four to 500 people a day finding out the recolors somewhere in the world. So we could get a lot of data very quickly. When we asked what makes it difficult to stop the job, interestingly enough, everybody has different reasons why they don't want to do it. So for red-greens, it's because they don't like to stop the progress of whatever task is going on. For the top-colored greens, it's because they may not have another information or a better way to do it. The yellows typically will tell you, yellow-reds in particular will tell you, no problem if I see it, but they're stopping the people, whereas the red, green, green, reds tend to be stopping the task. And blues, actually, top color blues don't like to do it for what I said before because they don't like confrontation. Mm. So let me fast forward for a minute. So a few years after we got Equilibri going, we actually started in education. Mm. And actually, we've, just, we've actually just amalgamated it now, but... We did actually have a non-profit called eColors in Education. So we had the privilege of working in schools all over the world from kids that are around seven years old. So at seven, they would find out their eColors. And at nine, we would introduce this, which is what we call personal intervention. So I'm predominantly yellow-red. So I have a pause button and a play button here. What I watch in schools many, many times is blue-greens who've never, ever raised their hand in class will sit there, press the play button, and raise the hand. Now, that, that's the power of this. And so I want to talk, I know we're going to talk a little bit about addiction, but there's yep. a big, big part of that that comes into play here. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, something you did uh, that's quite impressive as well was uh, we were going to go back to Deepwater Horizon in a minute, of course, and I know you said it was okay to talk about, about that film and stuff, uh, but uh, the Houston Super Bowl. Um, you did the Super Bowl. You've trained all the volunteers for the Super Bowl two years ago? Uh, three years ago now. Incredible, ago. incredible experience. I, actually, we got involved uh, about three years before. I had no idea the amount of effort that goes into pre a city preparing for the Super Bowl. So unlike, for example, Wembley, where everybody goes to Wembley, in what they do for the Super Bowl is they take it to different stadiums around around the country and so again through chevron actually and i give them full recognition for it they asked me if i would go and meet the ceo of the super bowl host committee so i actually meant to meet this lady for dinner uh sally Sargent, a wonderful human being 
we were sitting in an Indian restaurant and I said, Sally, first of all, you need to explain to me what the host committee is. I mean, I've got absolutely no idea. So start from scratch. So she starts to explain to me the role that they play in helping the city raise an enormous amount of money. Uh, that A lot of it goes to charity, actually, during this process. And uh, I said, so why do you want to be, why do you want to be the CEO of the, of the host committee? She said, well, I want to leave a legacy. I've been helping cities around the country for years get the right to host a Super Bowl, but I've never actually been the one in charge of a host committee. I said, well, I also want to leave a legacy. I, I, I'd like to get some of the funding that you're going to get uh, so we could put it into education. I said, but I'll only do it on two conditions. She said, what are the conditions? I said, I don't want any tickets to the game and I don't want paid. <laughs> and she just burst into tears because, as you can well imagine, in that position, the only people, well, a lot of people, obviously talked to to try and get tickets one way or another. Cool. So we started working with her. And again, Mark, you know, a lot of the things that we've talked about is when you are doing things for the right reasons, how things come together, we actually had one of our coaches, Chamika Scott, who used to be a WBNA player, so she was a women's uh, professional basketball player, was working as a coach with us on one of the rigs and found out she had colon cancer. So we were able to embed her into the Houston Super Bowl committee's office. She worked with them right up to the Super Bowl and a couple of days later and almost immediately passed away, actually, after that. But that year really made a huge difference to her and everybody else who was involved. Anyhow, as we got closer to um, the Super Bowl, we started to look at what could we do in terms of the uniforms, because like the Banco Bilbao, they were paying for the uniforms, people sponsoring this, sponsoring that. So we actually made about 27,000 wristbands, particularly the Houston Super Bowl host committee with the pause and play button on, I got the chance to train all of the suit of the actual volunteers. If you look at the center, which is where the Houston Rockets play in, in Houston, we actually started right there. Phenomenal, phenomenal experience. So they all did the PDI then? They all did the PDI. In fact, the day they announced what we were going to be doing with them, there were literally people sitting in the stadium doing the retailers as they were finding out of it. In the end, I think there were about 10,000 volunteers, but fantastic experience for which... Many, many great things have come. And I need to recognise Ben McMahon. He had a, a huge part to play in all of that. Good on Ben. Yeah, I've met Ben. As you, intro- you were kind enough to introduce me to Ben at uh, Chevron. He's a top fellow. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's, it's a wonderful story. I mean, I just, I just love everything that we're talking about. I mean, the time's flying, but you and I can go. You, you and I both as top colour yellows. We're the socialisers, so we can talk for ages, can't we? Um, but um, one of the things I, I want to talk about, obviously, um, Deepwater Horizon. Now, now that's a film that my my wife and I have watched many times. Um, I think you know I, I've always been fascinated. I've never worked offshore, but I was always fascinated, particularly about the helicopter there and back, and working in that you know tough environment and and everything else. Um, and clearly, that was uh, I mean you know that that um, that film along with the documentary that I've seen on Piper Alpha as well, by the way, which was uh, probably yeah, 30 odd years ago now um, in the North Sea. Um, those were two things that have really like, you know, affected my, 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 um, not affected my life, but certainly made me, you know, interested in, in, in health and safety, particularly offshore, you know? Um, 
Now, first and foremost, I mean, you know Mr. Jimmy, right? I mean, you know the guy that, that played, or not the play, you know the real Mr. Jimmy from, from the, the Deepwater Horizon. Um, and you told me earlier that you went to see the film. Well, I'll actually back up a little bit. Something we didn't mention. I was on a rig six miles away the night the Piper Alpha blew up. Wow. And we, we sent our boats over because every rig in the North Sea has a, a standby boat in case anything goes wrong. So we were actually sending people a boat over to go and pick up the people out of the water. Laura and I were actually running a session many, many years ago for Chevron, actually, with one of their drilling contractors in the North Sea. And one of the exercises we did at the beginning with people sitting in table groups is tell us something about yourself you'd never know unless we told you. And this gentleman, Steve Ray, who's now a big figure in safety in the North Sea, he said, I'll tell you something. I jumped off the Piper Alpha. I was on that. And I said to him, I, I, you know, people talk about if you've got a life jacket on, if you jump anything higher than about 12 feet, you're going to break your neck. And he, he jumped way, way, way higher than that. Well, and if I, I interrupt you, Lewis, just ever so slightly, there was a, there's a, on the documentary of Piper Alpha, I'll never forget this. There was a guy, when it was all on fire, one of the guys said he was on the heli deck. He's on the helicopter deck and he, he literally looked over the side and was like, well, you know, my feet are burning. And, and he, he said, but I'll never forget this. He said, the moment he jumped, he just went, what have I done? Uh, and then obviously, you know, and I watched, I remember watching that documentary and then I watched Deepwater Rise in the film and there's a guy doing exactly the same. Yeah. I um, mean, dramatic. I mean, you know, shocking. It, and, and it, it is a rather, so Piper Alpha. I, I tell you, it, it changed the industry a lot in terms of it's when safety management systems came into place and a lot, a lot of other things. Um, the Horizon, so I used to work for Transocean, which is the company that owned the Deepwater Horizon. I'd actually done a lot of the team building sessions on there when the rig first came over from Korea. Um, one of the guys who got killed, I knew very well. He actually used to work with me when I was the HSE manager. And I tell you what hit me. I mean, you can imagine the emotion. I actually went to, to watch the film with Rob Fisher, who's our partner in the error reduction side of our business, which you know. And Rob and I were sitting there, and I don't mind telling you, I cried my eyes out. But And I remember the first time I cried. It's because the actors who played the people who got killed were spitting images of the actual real people. So I will tell you, Dewey Rivette, who's the guy that I knew very well, who was the driller, who was predominantly red-blue and was a procedure follower to the letter, and I've still got that in my head of why they didn't do some of the things they could have done. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. There's a good reason. But at the end of the day, when I saw the actor who was playing him, it, it, my, it just caught me cold. And I just, I just remember Rob said, what's wrong? I said, it's him. It's actually him. And then, of course, the film played out, and it was it was absolutely horrendous for lots and lots of reasons, as you can well imagine. Uh, well, the point is, is that I have watched that film many times, and it took one of your colleagues. Just as I was chatting with the other day, Ian Collins. It took Ian to tell me that they've actually got the 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 yellow the colour stickers on on some of their uh, safety their hard hats actually yep. on on rig in the film. So I'm, I've now got the DVD, and I shall be watching that again this Christmas, looking for that. Yeah. But, uh, you, I mean, I hope you don't mind me saying, obviously you told me earlier that, that you hadn't really been involved for some for some time there. But there's so much about that film, about personalities. Now, we're not going to talk about companies or anything like that, but just, just personalities about how I can get hurt or why I don't want to stop the job. 
I know it's Hollywood. I know it's Hollywood, and I know it's not all like based on the you know, absolute fact. But just the personality, the psychology, the play out of of what actually was going on that day. I mean, Mr. Jimmy getting his safety award followed by you know that you know horrific. I understand that that was true, and and that actually happening you know on the night of of, of the the accident itself. I mean, you know, what what other things would you like to say about that? Just to sort of like you know give us an overview. Well, I, if anybody's been following my post recently, I've been kind of telling the story because what happened was a couple of weeks ago, somebody sent me a picture of the logo that people have on the coveralls with Transocean, which is Start to Be Accountable, which is something that we started many years ago. And when we were first introducing the idea of personality, what the actual sticker says of Mark Wahlberg's helmet is Start to Understand Me with a red spot and a green spot. And that was, that, that was kind of the very early days of what we were trying to, to get across to people. But we had a lot of success with it, but nowhere near where I thought it could go. But I will, I will tell you that that what I have told people, uh, and we do a lot of coaching in oil and gas today, I tell every leader, if you've got people in the position that John Malkovich played, they need to see this film. Because... Yeah. I, and I don't know all of the details, but the reality is, you know, the golden rule of business is he who has the gold rules. And in mm-hmm. that world, the oil companies have the gold and the contractors are the ones who, you know, do what they're told, basically. I mean, that's top and bottom of it. And so you've mm-hmm. got Mark explained playing somebody who had very clear ideas about what was going on and you saw the result. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And it's uh, it's a tough watch, of course, and, and particularly for yourself and anyone else who was affected by it and, and you know, people that, that know people that were there. So, yeah, I mean, thank you for sharing that. I mean, that is important. Um, and I think that uh, there's always lessons to be learned, isn't there, from any accident, any incident or, or indeed any serious, you know, incident in your own life. You know, we we're talking earlier about, you know, you, you having your collapse, me having my collapse. You know, there's lessons to be learned, isn't there? And you just got to make sure you're listening. Absolutely. And and so I think, you know, actually after you, Mark and I, we talked, didn't we, a few weeks ago, and I actually posted on every channel that I could, um, does it take, a, you know, a real massive something happening in your life before you decide to do something different? Because it's a pity if it does, put it that way. I do believe that when I talk to most people who've either been through, it could be a horrendous car accident. I mean, there's lots of different ways that people get a, a wake-up call, but they typically will do something different and become a lot more determined to do that than they ever were before. And, and Mark, I don't know if we're going to talk about it, but I, I really do want to mention it because I, I think one of the things that jumps out at me is when we introduce personal intervention, when we introduce these wristbands, we really did not know what we were onto. Today, I will tell you that you can learn about e-colors, you can be as self-aware as you like, but it's only when you put it into action is anything actually going to change. And this little wristband really kind of sets it off. When we got into education, unbeknown to me, one of the school systems we were working with actually had the educational contract for about nine residential treatment centers around Houston. And I honestly didn't even know what a residential treatment center was. Mm-hmm. But I went to, uh, uh, to run a session one day 
And instead of the 20 odd teachers I thought were going to be there, there were probably about 150 teachers. So I asked the, la the lady who was running, I said, who are all these people? Oh, they're all from the residential treatment center. I said, well, what's a residential treatment center? She said, oh, this is where the recovering alcoholics and drug addicts between the ages of 11 and 16 go. And I'm going, what? She said, yeah, and we've taken your e-collars into every one of them. Are you okay with that? I go, yeah, yeah, I'm fine with it. But it would, uh, you know, how is it working? She said, well, are you prepared to come into a residential treatment center and meet some of the kids? Because every one of them was in there through the judicial system at some point or another. Yeah. So for anybody who is listening to this and is a parent, I will give you two things that jumped out at me. Number one, in my stupidity, I expected most of these kids to be kind of come from down and out families. Very wrong. The first person I talked to in there, her mum was number two at Memorial Hermann Brain uh, Cancer Research Center. And I asked her and many, 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 many other ones after I said, how did you get into this? Well, I can't live up to the expectations of my parents. Really? Well, what are the expectations of your parents? I don't know. I just know I can't live up to them. I heard that over and over and over again. Wow. After we had started to meet some of these kids, again, I happened to be with Laura. We were sitting in a session not many weeks after, and three girls, everybody got out for pizza halfway through the, call, or through the course, and these three girls said, Lewis, Laura, we'd, we'd like to talk to you for a minute. I said, yeah, what, what, what do you want? Oh, we just wanted to let you know we were going to commit suicide last Saturday and decided to press our pause buttons. And I, I, don't, I don't mind telling you, I know you and I have talked about this, so I really hope people are listening to this because I don't mind telling you, it just blew mine and Laura's mind. But I began to start to understand a little bit about how all of this works. And it's really around self-awareness and then having a tool which gives you that bridge to be able to do something about it. So I really appreciate how the, your story around addiction, you know, we talked about it even before the show, but it's something I'd really encourage people to be thinking about is and that, of course, when they're in, when people are in, in some kind of rehabilitation center, they may not be getting much education, but they're getting lots of self-awareness, lots of it. Absolutely. I mean, you know, my own addictions were, were um, a, a huge uh, problem in my early life. They just got out of hand, you know, they were, they were fun for a while and then they just got out of, the, they got out of hand and, and, I, and I, you know, had my own, own collapse. I would say that my addictions were part of the problem. Uh, I would say that a stress, stress and the stress I put myself under really um, were, 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 were huge for me there. Um, but, uh, yeah, you very kindly said that, obviously, you'll, you'll make some introductions for, for Life Remixed as well in those kind of centres. And I'd love to be able to help, you know, younger people with addiction problems go through, you know, e-colours and, and obviously, you know, self-awareness and coaching uh, and, and help change some of their outcomes because ultimately uh you know i do believe that if uh if, if some of if, if i'd have got this information earlier perhaps i would have changed quicker would i have been ready i'm not sure would i have been listening i'm not sure it took the it took me laying on the floor not knowing what was going on for me to start to wise up it's a fascinating question about you know does it take that because many people just sort of they just sort of go through life and and some people i've heard it before some people are 
creeping through life to make it safely to death without taking any risks. And, and actually, you know, you've got to take t- take some risks in life, but it's about managing those risks. And of course, that's, you know, what we do for, for work with uh, health and safety and, and e-colors, et cetera. As well. It's about managing and understanding the risk, isn't it? So, but a quick testimony for you as well for e-colors, uh, just for everyone watching. Um, uh, the e-colors uh, system, I did it myself and learned about myself. And I used that to go from basically you know, out of work DJ, understanding more about myself and got myself up to the board of directors of two very senior uh, UK uh, companies. Uh, I used that by learning about my potential limiters uh, and working on those and getting myself up to a point where I could actually be in a really, really positive place. And the e-colors and, and the equilibria system is, is fabulous for that. So I urge you to go onto their website um, and do the, uh, you know, discover your e-colors. The other thing I would say as a testimony as well is that, um, I got my wife to do it. She wasn't my wife, uh, but I got her to do it because I always found her quite slow and a bit ponderous when we got together. I was like, why, you know, why is she not more sort of like vibrant and kind of like, you know, like I am and I'm a yellow. So, you know, and, and, um, I, uh, I got her to do it and she came out as a green blue. Now my green is my strategy and green thinking is very, very small. Um, and then Emma did it. And her green came out as absolutely massive. And actually what that does is for the two of us, it helps us understand each other. So she knows I'm a big socializer, people. I'm all about the who, who, who. She's a green logical strategy. She's all about the how, how, how. But between the two of us, I know it sounds a bit cheesy, but we actually complete each other in that kind of like uh, – uh, that, that that circle, if you like, of percentages because she's very strong in the areas that I'm not so strong and vice versa. So, and the last thing, I also got my mum and brother to do it as well and we even got closer together as well because I could understand them better. So it works in families just as much as it works in uh, in the corporate world, in sport or education or, you know, addiction centres. I mean, e-colours can work anywhere. So i got to tell you, it's uh, the last few years have been phenomenal in terms of the people that I, again, if I was to sit here and thank all the people, and I, I, before I forget talking about that, Mark, I do want to mention, I, I was lucky enough to listen to your discussion the other day about gratitude, hmm. which is something that I am continually doing. If there's anybody listening to this and they know me, they know I'm continually thanking them um, hmm. because I think it's just the most phenomenal thing to be able to let people know and I, do, I never want to kind of leave it too late, for want of a better way of putting it, because you never know when what's around the corner. Our good friend Gary Jones, who I've introduced you to, and I'm sure mm-hmm. we'll have, you know he'll bring part of the NFL to you, uh, he always says, you're not even promised the next minute. And, that, and that's reality. So having said that, I think the idea of we've been really, really blessed over the last few years in people who have supported us in many, many ways – they will see what we do. I will tell you that every coach who ever joined us, most of them saw our people working somewhere and went, I have to do that. I have to be part of that process. And people who just have seen what we do along the way, um, many, many to name today, is what taken us into other areas. So we got into sport in a big way, uh, thanks to Cami Craig, actually, first with Ben McMahon, and then with Cammy Craig, who happened to be, she played water polo for the U.S. Olympic team, got two goals and a silver. She introduced us to Lynn Catch Marrick, where we've taken off with sport. She introduced us to Jeff Feltzer, who you've already spoken to. He's taking us into healthcare in a way that we had never dreamed of. And the story just goes on. And 
I just want to let people know, and I wanted to have this opportunity. I was telling you before, I'm going to be 70 next year, and next year is going to be the hardest I'm ever going to work to make sure more people know about this. So any way that you can help us to spread the word, I'm all in. Well, is, is it work when you enjoy it, number one, Lewis? And, uh, and, and, and the second point, of course, I remember saying to you uh, a couple of few months ago, I said, look, I'm going to mention equilibria in the book. And is that is that OK? Because there's stuff in here about addiction and everything else that I got up to when I was younger. Is that all right? And you were just you basically just said to me, like, Mark, so, you know, of course, it's all right. You know, this, I want you to tell the story. I want you to tell the truth, because the way you've bounced back and the way you've uh, become the man you are today is something that, you know, I'm very proud of or pleased to have uh, associated with Equilibria. And I, and I was really grateful for that comment again. Uh, I'm massively grateful to you for everything you've done certainly and influencing me over the last 10 years. I mean, one of the things you do is you keep people safe, obviously. You know, you've got a huge passion for people, which I, which I love. Um, you bring a lot of joy to people. Uh, and one of the things I would say about just this interview and everything else we talk about is that man becomes what he thinks about. And when I say man, I mean people. People become what they think about. Uh, and, you know, we, we have to acknowledge the fact that perhaps when we were younger, we weren't doing things necessarily brilliantly. Uh, and then we had to make that change. It's almost like nature's handbrake, like, right, stop, you know, Try a different way. You know, Bob Proctor said to me, your way isn't working, try mine. And I was like, yeah, okay. So, you know, I think it's really important to uh, to appreciate that. And I, obviously I'm over the moon that you've agreed to write part of the forward to, to Life Remixed. Uh, you know, really, really grateful to that, uh, to you for that. Um, I'm looking forward to sending you a, a copy to read, of course. Uh, but uh, just having your accreditation to it, your testimonial to it, and your understanding of my journey for the last 10 years, as you've watched from afar, really, we've met a few times, you know, we've bumped into each other at Heathrow and sat down at lunches and stuff like that. But that kind of journey of intertwined, but watching each other. And, and you mentioned earlier that you've seen me, obviously, with the knee operations and stuff like that. I mean, you know, I, I appreciate all your support. Well, it, it's an absolute privilege. And Again, I, I know Linda just made a comment before. So for those of you in Leeds, I apologize. There's a lot to apologize for, which is another story altogether. But I, I, it has given me the opportunity to really uh, take another view of life. And, and frankly, I, I, you know, there's a few things you, you'd asked me the other day about what are some things that I'm, I'm absolutely clear on. And I think that might be worth passing on, especially with COVID, Mark, and everything else that's going on. So when people say to me, you know, what's the best advice that, that you can give somebody so they can remix their, their, their lives? Um, there's a few things that I'd just like to share. And again, it's up to anybody if they, if they decide to take them on. But number one is to be intentional and be absolutely intentional with everything you do. That is absolutely clear to me. Number two, and I, I actually saw this in a film many, many years ago where the message came home to me clearly. I, you know, there could be people from a myriad of religions watching this right now or will watch it when you put it out. Mm. I heard somewhere in this film somebody explaining to somebody that just imagine that when you are born, you are born with X amount of heartbeat. So you receive your allotted amount of heartbeat. And like it or not, once that last heartbeat is there, that's it. Hmm. I will tell you, uh, and for those of you in Leeds can vouch for it, I wasted a lot of heartbeats when I was in my late teens and 20s. 
Me too, yeah. Lewis. Me too. And, and, and actually, I wasted a lot of heartbeats, Mark, when I was try- in the safety world trying to help people who didn't want my help. A lot yeah. of them. But since I made my mind up after Poe, I will tell you I've not wasted one heartbeat. And I can go to the grave with that. So when I do die, I will die with a smile on my face. And if it happens immediately after this program, my wife won't be very happy and a few other people, but at least I will go knowing I've done what I could. Do you know what, Lewis? That's important. So I'll just jump in there. Making that peace, making that peace with with that, you know, outcome, which is going to happen to all of us eventually. But making that peace, actually, it means that there's a great line in the Shawshank Redemption, get busy living or get busy dying. Um, and, and, you know, I know that you know, wasting the heartbeats is basically, you know, uh, a negative way, if you like, you know, of, of living. And actually, when you make your peace with the fact that you've only got one life and you need to go for it and make it good, uh, then you really get busy living, don't you? And I think that's a that's a beautiful thing. And that's that's what you're doing. So please continue. No, absolutely. So so I then have to start analyzing the green in me. How do you do that? And again, I, I get people challenging me all the time, but. I do not allow myself to get frustrated, disappointed, angry. Any of those emotions don't come in. Now, they used to, again, in the days, for example, I mean, there's a a piece in the book when I was with Laura one day in Las Palmas running a session where she was getting very upset because somebody wasn't taking on board what we were talking about from a safety perspective. And she came over to me and said, I know that our, our, you know, our vision is realizing potential, but that guy has got no potential to realize. <laughs> and I, I said, Laura, maybe it's just not his moment today, you know. But yeah. by that time, I'd made my mind up. Things like that were not going to bother me. And so think about everything that's gone on in the last year, you know, and in our business, which a lot of it was oil and gas. We had the oil price drop at the back end of 2019. Then we had COVID. I mean, we have lost numerous coaches, as you can well imagine. We've had to completely rework our business model. But anybody will tell you that we've got an AGM shareholder meeting tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. They're not going to hear any frustration from me because it doesn't do any good. And so I think if I'm not going to allow myself to lose any heartbeat, I have to keep all of that in mind. And I got one more thing I want to just say. Mark, let me ask you a question. Who's the most important person in your life? That's a great question. Um, In all honesty, uh, I wouldn't have answered like this probably, you know, 20 years ago. Uh, But the most important person to keep happy, healthy and wealthy is me. Exactly. And I have this discussion a lot with people. So when we started Equilibria, in our first meeting, which was just around the corner here in Spain, actually, from where I am right now, of all the people that were there, I think all eight of us at the time, they said, so how are we going to run the business? And we said, this is what we're going to do. Number one, you look after yourself. Because if you can't look after yourself, how are you going to look after anybody else? Number two, you look after your family. Number three, in our world, we used to send two coaches out at a time, So we'd say, look after each other. And number four, look after the client. And if you do all of that in that order, the business will look after itself. And a lot of people don't think like that, but I find now as we pass that on to other leaders, everybody seems to be grasping the concept. 
And the last thing I want to say, Mark, before I forget, and I give you full credit for this because I love the way that you talk about having several different revenue streams. Have a plan B and a plan C and a plan D. <laughs> but you can't have all your eggs in one basket, that's for sure. No way. No way. You've got to, you've got to have multiple sources of income to ride out any crisis. Uh, you know, it's something that uh, I've learned from Bob Proctor. It's something that Kevin Green has taught me strategies of. Massively grateful to both of those guys. It is about making sure that you are recession proof. And I remember working at Heathrow and thinking this place is recession proof and how wrong I was because look at it at the moment. I mean, it's decimated, you know. So, but um, I mean, you and I, I mean, obviously I've done a lot of leadership qualifications in the last 10 years. Our lives have intertwined over, over a period of time. Um, there's so much that we can continue to talk about. But I, I think I've got one quote for you that I just want to read to you because I think, you know, I think it ties in with everything that is Life Remixed is about and also about at the end of the day. Uh, see what you think. If there's one secret in leading yourself and other people, it is to generate an atmosphere in which others feel at ease and appreciated. And I would fully endorse that. And, you know, it's interesting. I was actually coaching um, an Indian gentleman the other day, in, very high up in, in one of the organizations I work with. And he actually said to me, "Is how come we've only been working together for a while, but I feel like I've known you my entire life? I said, because the only thing I've thought about since we started this conversation is you. <laughs> and, and I tell you, that's not how I used to operate. I used to have 8 million things going through my head. But again, since I became intentional, actually, and that's another thing. And, and again, I don't know why this happened. I used to sleep about three hours a night uh, back before 2002. And I'd be up, I'd be thinking about this, an idea, an idea, an idea. After I came out of the 10 days thinking about things, my wife bought me two down pillows which I take everywhere, everybody laughs at me, but I take them everywhere in the world with me, including on the plane, and I get seven hours sleep a night, solid, wherever I am. And I think about one thing at a time. So, Mark, I want to tell you, thank you, because you've given me an opportunity to share some stuff today that I've been wanting to do for a while, and I'm telling you, we're taking it up to the next level next year, and I appreciate it. I think in 2021, I mean, I think right now we're just warming up. I heard 2020 described as a, a year to be grateful for what you've got uh, and just be grateful that, you know, you've got food, clothing and shelter, you've got basic human needs, you've got your health, you know, just be grateful for these things, you know, be grateful for the fact that the economy is still turning to some degree. Just be grateful for that. And in 2021 and 22, we can get back to our hopes, our ambitions, our dreams and, and our larger purpose, vision and goals. And I can see, Life Remixed and, and E-Colors and Equilibria working together more and more over the coming years, which I'll be honest with you, I've always dreamt of working with you. From the moment I read your ethics document, I read your ethics document, which said exactly what you just said about it, about look after yourself and then look after your family. And I read that and I was like, I was like, me and this guy are like simpatico. Just, you know, it's not a surprise to me. Man becomes what he thinks about. It's not a surprise to me that I'm sitting here talking with you tonight and that we're becoming friends as well as as well as business partners and and uh you know and supporting one another in, in our mission and our journey so you know i, I absolutely love that lewis I, I mean like i said i could talk for hours with you but i think we, we at some point we have to stop um but um t tell me a bit more about where people can find you uh where they can uh 
uh, connect with uh, Equilibria and e-colors? Yeah, so I, I actually got a dip. There's a few different ways. First of all, I am very happy if people just want to email me. So that is lewis.senior at equilibria.com. Uh, if you use the hashtag intentional CEO on Facebook or LinkedIn, that, that, that'll work. Um, and then there is Equilibria. There is info at equilibria.com. There is www Facebook. There's a lot here that I, you can, we'll send out. I'll, I'll send to everybody. But the first one is just look me up either on Facebook, LinkedIn, or just drop me an email. Or call me. Most people who are on this call who know me have already got my number. But I really hope, Mark, that we can impact a heck of a lot more people in your part of the world because I think there's a lot to be gained from what we're doing together. I agree. I agree. I mean, like I said to you again, I'm just going to say it one more time. You write in your book um, all those years ago, like nearly 20 years ago, but you write in your book and then me reading it about 10 years ago, I'm reading this story about this guy who's had this like huge collapse because he's overworked and overstressed and it's just life's got very, very difficult. And just reading your book, I was like, I need to talk to this guy. I need to I need to find a way to connect with him. I need to speak to him. And you're very generous there by, by giving your emails and stuff like that. I love that. You know, I remember reaching out to you and I just remember our conversation just developing over a period of time. And here we are eight years later, seven, eight years later. Uh, and, and, you know, we're working together. You're writing a forward to, to Life Remixed itself, which, um, yes, massively grateful for, mate. Massively grateful. <laughs> and I actually no. got into trouble yesterday because at the end of a big session we were running in the States, I went, happy Christmas. And Laura goes, you can't say that anymore. <laughs> so we, we, it, it's an interesting world that we live in, I can tell you. You can just say it to me, Lewis. I'm I'm fine with it. I don't I don't uh, I, I don't uh, overthink too many things, as you know. I'm not a, I'm not a green. I'm not I'm not a logical thinker very much. I'm just I'm all about the who. I'm all about people, people, people. You know, and uh, uh, and I'm quite whatever you believe in may may work for you. And and I will tell you this: for a lot of the people that we're working with, they are ready for a break, and I'm sure it's the same for a lot of people who are on this call. So do make the most of the holiday period coming up. And again, look forward to seeing everybody next year who we get to get to know. Mark, thank you for having me. It's much appreciated. Uh, Lewis, listen, it's been it's been amazing. Like I said, uh, you're a fascinating guy. Um, I can't wait to read your forward to life remixed. I'm sure lots of other people will want to read that as well. Um, listen, I've got nothing but love and respect for you, mate. So uh, thank you very much. And Emma just says, "Happy Christmas to you, Lewis." <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Listen, mate. Thanks so much. Thank you. My pleasure. All the best. Life. Remixed. Hi, it's Mark Wilkinson here, author of Life Remixed. Are you currently feeling stuck in your life with nowhere to go? Then it's definitely time to remix your life. The book is out now on Amazon across the world. It's been endorsed by Bob Proctor and Marcy Scheimer from The Secret, as well as some wonderful, wonderful people. You can also log on to markwilkinsonofficial.com, sign up, stay updated. We can help you take control of your life. Big, big love. Life Remixed.